Alrighty, hello again everyone and welcome to It Is The Derek Hunter Podcast for the first day of February. Happy, happy February to you. Tomorrow's Groundhog Day. I'm Derek Hunter, this is The Derek Hunter Show, uh, The Derek Hunter Podcast. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. Appreciate the hell out of it actually. Appreciate you going to patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com, entering the contest and all of that good stuff. I just want to get through this. I want to get to the show as quickly as humanly possible. So let's do it. Action-packed program for you today. Lots of stuff going on and a bunch of things to talk about. I, uh, good Lord. It's one of those days where you sit there. There's no massive overarching story, but there are a lot of stories that uh, all sort of fall in the same... We'll start with the President of the United States. He was up in Baltimore yesterday announcing a bunch of money for Amtrak. They're going to replace a couple of miles of track. And you're like, what? Oh, they're going to replace the track and and fix a tunnel and whatever the hell it is. It's unclear exactly what it is. And you're sitting there going, what? Why? What is this? What is the purpose of any of this? And you begin to realize that it's just distraction. It's just this is the sort of things that um, wouldn't normally rate a presidential visit to a city. Certainly not a, and except for when a uh, a president is in hot water, is in trouble, needs a distraction. So you've got the, of course, the Baltimore Sun does exactly what you'd expect the Baltimore Sun to do. President goes to, you go to the, go to Los Angeles and the LA Times will write up a piece, a glowing piece about, oh my God, did you see what the president is doing? He's going to do X, Y, and Z. And you're like, well, maybe the president should address the massive ripping off of trains. If he's going to do something about trains in Los Angeles, the massive ripping off of all those Amazon deliveries. You know, remember those that video, those pictures of just Amazon boxes strewn everywhere because trains are raided at night. And you're like, this is uh, this is not good for a civilization. But it is the world we live in. It is the world that Democrats create. So, what are you going to do? Well, instead, the president comes to uh, Baltimore to talk about rail and tweet about electric vehicles. It's hilarious. Did you see the tweet that he put out? He's sitting in a Hummer, an electric Hummer. It's like an $80,000, $90,000 Hummer, whatever it is, the HEV. And he's got a, he's outside and he's got a mask on, but he's got a mask on under his chin. And he's got his big fake... I don't know who thinks these fake teeth are good looking, but you see people with them all the time, particularly in politics and on television. The people in Hollywood, they know how to get fake teeth. If you look at old pictures of Tom Cruise, you go, oh my God, what the hell's wrong with his teeth? You realize that at some point Tom Cruise had a lot of work done on his teeth and got them put together properly. 
It was not the case when he started out. Look up like Tom Cruise in Taps or Tom Cruise in uh, Risky Business. Look at his teeth. And you go, whoa, wow. But his teeth look natural, whereas Joe Biden's teeth look wildly unnatural. They look like old-timey dentures, which they may well be. But anyway, he puts out a tweet in his uh, in a Hummer electric vehicle. And he says, on my watch, the great American road trip is going to be fully electrified. And now, through a tax credit, you can get up to $7,500 on a new electric vehicle. The only problem was that it apparently doesn't qualify. The car that he's in, in this picture, doesn't qualify for the tax credit. And if you get it, if you think about it, up to $7,500 in a tax credit, how does that work? It works as if you drop fifty grand on a car, you can take a tax deduction of up to, depending on whatever the sliding scale is, I don't have a an electric vehicle, nor do I really plan on getting an electric vehicle because they're wildly expensive and they are crap in serious winters. Especially, I mean, if the battery goes, you're on the hook for, what, the, the cost of four or five Hemis. But the uh, you get money back. So you drop 10 grand and you can write off seven. I don't know if the tax credit for uh, $7,500 is refundable and advanceable, which would mean that if you didn't pay any taxes but somehow managed to buy a $50,000 Tesla, you would get $7,500 back from the government. I think it is because they're really going the full poor subsidy. So in theory, poor people could qualify for this tax credit. But the odds that poor people would qualify for this tax credit seem to be pretty slim in that you wouldn't buy a $50,000 car to get the $7,500 tax credit, if you're poor. If you're making $30,000 a year, the odds of you paying that, and again, uh, doubling that, for a vehicle that you would then have to install something special into your home. Actually, if you're making that kind of money living in an urban area, you're probably living in an apartment. That would mean an added expense where you'd have to pay for parking. in addition to charging, you'd probably have to get the charger put in. It would just be a logistical nightmare. So what does that mean? That means that it's rich people buying these things. Rich people buying these. There it is. The uh, manufacturer's suggested retail price for the Hummer that Joe Biden tweeted a picture of himself sitting in is $98,400. You can't buy eggs. <laughs> can't afford eggs. But a hundred grand on a vehicle. Joe Biden is sitting there congratulating himself on this. But if the fifty thousand dollar car, you can't do it. Even a thirty thousand dollar car, you shouldn't be doing it. If you are low income, you should not be dropping this kind of money on a vehicle. And yet here is the president of the United States. Oh, through a tax credit, you can get seventy five hundred dollars on a new vehicle. Well, who is buying these things? It's rich people. It's rich people, rich people getting tax credits. Now, what does that mean? What does this subsidy, and that's what that is, it's a $7,500 subsidy to the electric car industry. What does that mean? 
That means that poor people who can't afford an electric vehicle are paying for the rich people who can afford the electric vehicle. They're giving them $7,500. Leonardo DiCaprio adds to his fleet of Teslas, you're just ponied up for 7500 bucks. Congratulations. By the way, the left hates Elon Musk this week because he's exposing their corruption through access to all the Twitter information. The biggest beneficiary of this tax credit is Tesla. Yes, every company in the world is introducing electric vehicles constantly. But the ones that sell are the Teslas. Most of the other ones look like crap anyway. So the government is subsidizing Tesla while the left hates Elon Musk. Now, they're trying to ruin Elon Musk in any way they can. They're suing him over this. They're suing him over that. They're pursuing X, Y, and Z. They are desperate to try and damage Elon Musk any way they can. But meanwhile, they're putting more money into his bottom line. It works out. It works out really well. By the way, did you watch the football games over the week? If you watch the football games, there's nothing about football. The commercial breaks. Seems like every commercial that wasn't Paul Giamatti pretending to be... uh, Albert Einstein. And can I just say on behalf of all of America, enough of that already? We get it. Do a new one. Paul Giamatti's a great actor, but spare us on this thing. But the ads that weren't him running around as Albert Einstein were car ads for electric vehicles. Did you notice that? It's like, I don't know, the corporate America either doesn't understand America, doesn't know Americans, doesn't like America, or they have been infiltrated by left-wingers who just want a virtue signal. The, the vast majority of their sales, 90, what, anywhere from 95 to 98% of their sales are not of electric vehicles. Are not. People can't afford them. Normal people can't afford them. If you're going to get people buying new cars, the odds of them being... Uh, new or being electric vehicles are pretty damn slim. Slim and none and none just and slim just left town. And yet all the commercials were for this electric vehicle. There's that one with the, the hippie D-bag who like gets up really early and you're like, what is this for? I don't even, it's for Kia. I just don't know what kind of car it is for. I don't know what the car is. But he gets out to the beach at the crack of dawn with his long hair and his uh, 8 o'clock shadow. And he drags, he puts the little thing on the trailer of his car. And he drags the beach, you know, he's dragging the beach, picking up all the garbage from the... It's weird because the beach didn't look messy. But suddenly he starts dragging the beach with this rake on his bumper. And what happens? He's pulling up like giant tide containers. And it just big bottles of like laundry detergent and things. And you're like, where the hell was this stuff? How, where Where is this beach in presumably California where not only is there so much plastic rolling up on the beach, but it's, pla- it's, it's big plastic. And the beach is so abandoned that the big plastic has time to sit there and be embedded, to be dug in to the sand to the point that this guy has to come along and drag it up. And then he puts, he's got his hippie bag there. Instead of using a plastic garbage bag, he's got like a laundry bag with holes in it, a claw, and he throws it in the back, and then he just sits at the beach and watches all the sea turtles come up to lay their eggs. And then apparently he sits there for the six-week gestation period of the eggs or whatever, and then you see the little turtles rolling off to the end. And it's like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a, a turtle person, turtle expert, but 
I don't believe that um, the turtle mating, turtle egg laying is obstructed by giant tide bottles laying on the beach, laying in the sand. I don't think so. I don't think so. What's messed up, though, is if you really look, there is a lot of plastic in the ocean. There's a ton of plastic in the ocean. The United States gets all the blame for it if you watch corporate America. Oh, my God, we're terrible. We're just littering the beaches of California. Realistically, all that plastic comes from Asia, if we're being honest about it. It is. It just piles. They throw it in the ocean. They take it. They take the government contracts to take the, quote-unquote, recycling plastic. They put it on ships, they ship it over to Asia, and then they dump it into the ocean. (laughs) Why? Because they don't want it. They want the contract. Our governments here are stupid to the point that we pay these companies who contract with them. Oh, we'll take all the plastic. and Oh, you're going to recycle it? Oh, yeah, Uh, totally, totally going to recycle it. Don't worry about it. Absolutely, positively going to recycle it. And then you hang up the phone. (laughs) I told them we would recycle it. They bring it over there, they pile it up, they burn it, they melt it down to nothing. They're not washing it and reusing it. They're not melting it and reforming it. They're burning it. They're setting it on fire and dumping it into the ocean. You can find video of all of this happening online if you actually care. The thing is, environmentalists just love the virtue signal. They don't, they're not really all that interested in the reality. So they get the virtue signal of, look at our town is recycling. Our town, our town recycles. You get the big blue bin and you, oh, put the plastic and the, the cardboard and everything in there. And they say, oh, should we, should we separate it? Because where we used to live, it was the small blue bin and it was only cardboard and paper. That one, I actually had some, some thoughts that they might be recycling because it's, you, sep- you force the people to separate the stuff out and it makes it much easier to recycle. But in this place, it's like, now just throw it all in one big bin. Don't worry, a mach- uh, truck comes along, they dump it all in there. And you know they just go back to the dump and, and s- compact it. Maybe they sell it, but they don't. I mean, you can't separate cans from uh, cardboard, from plastic. And you just, if you're not separating it at the entry point, you're either wasting a ton of money paying somebody to separate it at the dump or you're not doing it. And if you really look into the recycling programs of a lot of places around the country, municipalities around the country, you'll notice that they're not really recycling anything. It's just for show. It is the ultimate in virtue signaling. So that's what's really going on. By the way, the com- back to the commercials for a second. This guy, you know, he's tra- he, he the hippie. I don't even know what the car is for. I don't know what it's it's Kia, like I said, but I don't know what it is because they're not interested in that. If you watch car ads now, especially during football games, which again, you, like, are you not paying? It's for like a hundred and fifty thousand dollar truck. Right, don't drop one hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a truck, okay? Don't do it. Send me some money. Uh, trucks used to when I was a kid, trucks were cheap. Now they're the most expensive vehicles out there. This side of like Hummers. But there's also the Domino's thing. All these corporate, woke corporate things are virtue signaling. Domino's ad. 
You see, if you get a Domino's pizza, there's going to be something weird out there, maybe. And you're like, what the hell is this? And then the lightning strikes the little car, and it turns into an electric vehicle. And you go, we're replacing some of our fleet with electric vehicles. And I'm watching this commercial, and I'm like, your pizza sucks. Okay, can you, how about you take whatever money you're dropping on this giant fleet of electric vehicles and focus on getting better stuff to make your pizza not suck? Right, because nobody ever goes. Well, I I hate their pizza, but they are delivering it in an electric vehicle. And none of these people seem to understand what it takes to make a battery, what it takes to generate electricity. It is the ultimate in virtue signal. Corporate America doesn't know America, or has been infiltrated and infested and metastasized with progressivism. Somebody needs to wake the hell up before it's too damn late. Anyway, like I was saying, Joe Biden came to town, came to Baltimore because he needed a distraction. And so here's how the Baltimore Sun puts it. With the ancient, dimly lit Baltimore and Potomac Tunnel behind him, President Joe Biden touted job creation and labor agreements Monday during a visit to Baltimore highlighting a $6 billion federally funded project to replace the 19th century tunnel. Six billion dollars to replace a tunnel. Six billion dollars for a tunnel that already exists. <laughs> Six billion dollars. The Empire State Building what, it was like $30 million or something like that. The White House billed the speech as a kickoff event for the project, which will replace a four-mile section of Amtrak's Northeast Corridor, including the mile-long B&P Tunnel with two tubes that will allow trains to travel at 100 miles per hour. I don't I'm uh, I'm a very cynical human being. I admit that freely. But you're talking about replacing a 4-mile 4-mile four section. 4-mile four section train will travel at 100 miles an hour. I've taken this trance a lot. A lot a lot a lot. I worked in DC and lived in Baltimore for 13 years. Over that time, I went to Philadelphia a bunch, went to New York a bunch. You take the train up there, you take the Acela. When you go up there for, when you go up there for yourself, you buy the regional ticket because it's the cheapest ticket. When you go up there because your publisher's bringing you up or you're um, going to be on Fox or whatever, they get you the Acela. The Acela moves at a pretty good click. I don't know if it's 100 miles an hour or whatever. But it's a four-mile section. It's a four mi- it's four miles in Baltimore, about, I don't know, what, 40, 50 miles outside of D.C. Is that what makes the trip long? If you just replace... No, because if it were the rest of the tracks were fine, you just get past the tunnel, and then you, you put the pedal to the metal. It wouldn't cost you $6 billion. We will save, ultimately... 12 minutes. Oh, 12 minutes. Okay. Well, all right. Quote, this is just the beginning of having a 21st century rail system. So long overdue, the Democratic president said. God, they love trains. Forget about, you know, the economic damage or the environmental issues with trains, whatever. Oh, they're better than cars. Not really. You ever seen one of those engines run? Those diesel engines run or know about the electricity needed to move tons and tons of rail. Uh, 
Um, but they don't care. <coughs> it's about perception, not reality. They're hoping to make perception into reality, so they pull this garbage like, oh my goodness, it's going to be so, so wonderful when we blah, 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 blah. As a U.S. Senator, Biden commuted between his home state of Delaware and Washington, D.C. on Amtrak for years. The president said he'd been through the tunnel thousands, a thousand times while logging more than a million miles on the passenger railroad. Quote, he's been struck by the delays in this tunnel many times. U.S. Senator Ben Cardin, a Maryland Democrat, said, yeah, he has. We all have. What he doesn't seem to mind or doesn't seem to care, doesn't seem to notice is what? That we, the taxpayer, have subsidized the ever-loving hell out of Amtrak. Billions and billions upon billions of dollars, and they still suck. Now, if you've ever ridden in the Northeast Court, Northeast Corridor, which is Washington, D.C. through Boston, you'd go, well, it sucks, but it doesn't suck that bad. The rest of the country absolutely is terrible. And sucks. <laughs> it's much worse. Oh, you could take the train to Chicago. I could, if I took the train to Detroit, I think I looked into it once, just out of curiosity. I think you had to go through Chicago. It took forever. It took forever. We do not have the infrastructure in this country for rail. We missed. We missed the opportunity. Moreover, the American people don't want it. But this is really ultimately part of what Democrats are trying to do. Democrats want to create a nationwide rail system. Why? Because Amtrak is government subsidized and unionized, which means what? More money to them. It truly does. More money to them. So they launder money, just like the teachers union. We want to spend more money on education, and then they get more money in union dues, and then they get more money into Democratic coffers. Planned Parenthood. It's for women's health. We need to spend more money on women's health. And then what happens? You get more money to Planned Parenthood, and they're spending $500 million in election cycle. And you go, huh, that's weird. There's a direct correlation. And they insist, no, 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 we're not using that money to uh, to fund our political activities. We're using other money to fund political activities. Oh, you just had half a billion dollars laying around and you decided we're going to spend this on political activity come hell or high water, no matter what. And then miraculously, the federal government shows up with another half a billion dollars and you're able to provide the quote-unquote health care to women you so desperately want. Just one of those... You have to be wildly stupid and or suffered a closed head injury to believe this crap. Democrats don't even believe it. They just recognize that they they don't care. They're not going to be called out on a lie. They just get lazy with their lies. Speaking of getting lazy with their lies, Joe Biden repeated another lie while he was in Baltimore yesterday. He does this all the time. In fact, it's the eighth time. As president, he repeated it a whole bunch of times while he was running and while he was vice president and blah, blah, blah. I just want you to listen to him because he talks about going a million miles on a million miles on Amtrak. It's not that far to Delaware, but a million miles. When I was vice president, I flew over a million miles on Air Force Two. And I was uh, going home as a United States uh, as vice president. And one of the conductors said to me, hey, Joe, big deal. 
million, whatever, 200, you said, you've, oh, you've traveled over a million miles on Amtrak. I said, how the hell do you know that? And they added it up at their... But folks, look. <laughs> That's the least detail he's ever given of this. He's gone into much more detail in the past about this lie, but it is a lie nonetheless. Washington Times today. President Biden on Monday repeated a since-debunked story involving an Amtrak conductor who calculated he logged more than one million miles on the rails while serving as a senator from Delaware. It is at least the eighth time as president that Mr. Biden has repeated the story, despite it being declared false last year by CNN and the Associated Press, who concluded that the conversation could not have happened. Why? Because the guy he said it took place with had died years earlier. Yeah, oops. Speaking in Baltimore over the launch of the project to replace a 150-year-old rail tunnel, Mr. Biden retold the anecdote about the trip on Amtrak that supposedly happened toward the end of his term as vice president. Quote, blah, 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 the clip you just heard. In some retellings of the story, Mr. Biden says the conductor who added the miles is Angelo Negri, Negri, N-E-G-R-I who retired in 1992 and died in May of 2014. Mr. Biden didn't reach one million miles on Air Force One until September of 2015. See, making him... Joe Biden has a lot of conversations with dead people. Where was it? He talked to the guy who created penicillin one time, even though the guy who created penicillin died before Joe Biden was even born. But don't worry, Joe's got him. Got him on speed dial. David Lindman, who documented Mr. Biden's trips on Air Force Two, is the one who calculated when he reached one million miles. In Monday's version of the story, Mr. Biden did not mis mention Mr. Negri, nor did he say it happened toward the end of my term. Both statements he included in earlier versions. Doesn't matter what time it was when he was vice president. The guy retired in 1992. He wasn't there. He also told the story during a September 2021 Oval Office meeting with former UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson. The story has drawn, drawn repeated criticisms from conservative organizations when asked last year to square the details. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, so historic, says she wasn't familiar with the specifics, meaning there is no section in her three-ring binder to deal with the president's BS biographical lies. You gotta love this stuff. You gotta love this stuff. Biden spoke from the lectern in front of the tracks near Penn Station. The small opening of the tunnel was visible about 150 yards behind him. Red, white, and blue bunting was draped on a nearby bridge and warehouse, and a shiny new Acela train sat nearby. It's a love letter in the sun to our idiot president. Other trains rolled by on adjacent tracks, some sounding their whistles. The new tunnel is being named by abolitionist Frederick Douglass, who was born into slavery on Maryland's eastern shore. Demolition and track work are planned for this year. <laughs> Good. How much you want to bet this thing in our lifetime never gets done? U.S. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, Secretary Mayor Pete, and Lieutenant Governor Aruna Miller. You had blah, blah, blah. They were all there. Not all of the project is federally funded. Moore placed $450 million on the tunnel in his proposed $63 billion budget plan, which was submitted to the General Assembly for shortly after he was sworn in. 
The White House memorandum emphasizes job creation, saying the tunnel-related work, which will take years, is expected to generate 30,000 jobs, mostly in construction. Now, I want to demonstrate just how screwed up we've become as a society. Let's see, building the Empire State Building. There's a great book. I forget what it is. I have it on audio tape. But it is um, about the fight between the, uh, the people building the Empire State Building and the people building the Chrysler Building. It's a fascinating story. Race to the... Where the hell is it? I want to find this thing because it's worth noting. And it is, like I say, it's uh, it's well worth re- hire, is what it's called, by Neil Bascombe, B-A-S-C-O-M-B, hire. And it is one of those stories where you're sitting there and you're going, holy cow, these people were insane because they did all of this. They did it a lot in secret, but they did it inside of like a year and a half. Inside of a year and a half. Let's see. The Empire State Building is a 102-story Art Deco skyscraper in Midtown Manhattan. The building was designed by Shreve Lamb and Harmon and built from 1930 to 1931. 1930 to 1931. Now, it's amazing. You, you learn in the book why those giant spires are on top of both of those buildings. And it's just because they were trying to out-height each other. But it was built in less than two years. Built in less than two years for not, I mean, it's a lot of money, don't get me wrong, but it was a decent amount of, uh, not a ton of money. It was $40 million. $40 million. In 2021 dollars, that would be $595 million. With $595 million. President of the United States talking about $6 billion for a mile and a quarter tunnel. How long was that tunnel? It wasn't very long. A tunnel and a four-mile section of track. $6 billion. See how things have changed? Things changed for the better. You can build it. Name the last building that was built in, I don't know, your lifetime that wasn't ugly as all get out. They're now all green. Like, oh, look at it. It's, it's all glass and it's very energy efficient. Like, yeah, it's, it's ugly as hell. The Art Deco time, if you get a chance to go into an Art Deco building in downtown anywhere, do it. Check it out. Because they're not going to last forever. Sooner or later, and you mark my words, the environmentalists are going to come for those buildings. The beautiful, the historic buildings. Well, you can't change the facade of this building, but they will be torn down. Why? Not because they weren't built to last. They're built, the Empire State Building, the Chrysler Building, all those buildings in Manhattan and, and everywhere, they're all built to last and they're doing just fine. You have to maintain them, but they were built to last. But they cost a ton of money to heat. And they cost a ton, well, they don't really actually, now that energy prices are through the roof, they cost a ton of money to heat and a ton of money to air condition. But they are not, quote-unquote, green. 
And while they haven't started grousing about them yet, they will soon start grousing about them as we've got to get rid of these monstrosities. They are too energy inefficient. If we are going to save the planet, we need to tear these down and replace them with more environmentally friendly glass monstrosities that are blah, blah, blah. All these things. You just see, I haven't seen a good building, an attractive building. In forever. Now in the 60s and the 70s, that was when my, in the 50s, even to the late 50s, to the, the, somehow architecture went from being about not only functional, but aesthetically pleasing, to being straight up Soviet, being just god awful ugly. The school I went to is a, a U. It is literally, it's, it's in the shape of a U. And it's a square you. It is the ugliest thing ever. You find any, you don't even need to know. You know when it was built. You drive through any city and you go, wow, look at that beautiful building. And then you say, look at that rectangle over there. That ugly ass rectangle. And you go, that has to be built in like, what, 1967? And you're within five years, you're right. That's how it is. Anyway, I didn't mean to go off on architecture here. But I do want to point out the cost difference between the Empire State Building, forty million at the time, five hundred, almost six hundred million in current well, two thousand twenty-one dollars. So you've got to add Biden inflation in that. We'll call it uh, seven hundred and fifty million dollars, three quarters of a billion dollars for the Empire State Building, something that has lasted coming up on a hundred years. We're not there yet, but we're coming up on a hundred years. Versus six billion dollars actually six and a half billion dollars six billion is federal money and uh, the half a billion is state money and that's just the beginning you wait till this thing starts this is going to end up being 10 billion at a minimum probably closer to 15 billion because that's how government expenditures work by the time it's done and it's going to take years and years and years 14 months to build the empire state building five years $15 billion to build a one-mile tunnel and a four-mile section of train track. Mark my word. Now, what are you saying, Derek? Don't you have any faith in government? No, I don't have any faith in government. But uh, let's see about uh, California. Because there's been a high-speed rail project. This has always been the... uh, the dream of leftists. Let's get people to take the trains. Why would you take a, a plane and get there in a matter of hours when you can take a train and get there eventually, right? Because, yeah, that's just how it works. The high-speed rail in California was going to go from Los Angeles to San Francisco. It didn't. They said, well, nobody wants that. It ended up costing billions and tens of billions of dollars before they even set a, an inch of, let's see, $23.4 billion. It was originally going to cost about $5 billion. That's $17.9 billion. They've, they've, anyway, they've gone from... Los Angeles to San Francisco to uh, what is it? Sacramento to Mercado? How do you know how you pronounce that? But it is about Merced. It is about 
one quarter the length of the track now. They were going to do this thing at one quarter the length and it is five times the price. And oh, by the way, it isn't even under construction yet. It's already costed, costing more. It has cost more. It's blown past the budget because this is how government works. You try to put a shovel in the dirt in California, and what do they do? Somebody will sue you and say, we've got to do an environmental impact study. And from there, it's all downhill. So I wouldn't count on those 30,000 jobs just yet, unless you're talking about lawyers going to sue everybody over all the crap that comes along with government involvement in construction. But don't worry, Joe Biden's on the case or something. Here's a billion-dollar idea for anybody out there who's uh, so inclined. All I ask is for a small piece of the action. Call it uh, 2%, right? 2%. An app, because you've got these betting apps everywhere. You've got the sports book. You've got the online casino things. But an app, a, a whole new field of betting. What will this government project ultimately cost? All right, you can do over-unders, you can do straight up, uh, you can do like five project parlays or whatever. But you just say, what will this government project ultimately cost? Do the differential. Well, it's projected to cost $6 billion. But will it end? I mean, granted, it's more of a retirement plan because you can't, uh, the game is tomorrow, so you, you can bet on that. And the government project is over the course of 15, 20 years because they take forever on anything. But still, it, maybe make it part of your, uh, your IRA or your 401k as a government. Come on along and you can uh, bet on whether or not the government will cost projections are accurate or inaccurate. Actually, no, there's never been a go- I don't know that there's ever been a government cost projection that's been accurate. The bet would be how inaccurate is the government cost projection? That would be probably the better way to put it. But you do, maybe not an app, but uh, some sort of mutual fund, 401k, long-term thing. And you can you know, buy and sell it along the way because projections go up and you know, like your prospects are looking better. I think there is a lot of money to be made in this. And all I'm asking for is to wet my beak 2% until I get uh, $50 million. And then you can have the whole idea yourself. You'll be on your own. I think that's abundantly fair. I'm a, I'm a giver, ladies and gentlemen. I am a uh, a giver. I'm gonna move on now and just show you the, the. It's called a culture war. It's kind of funny how the left operates. If you notice, they call these all these various things that conservatives point out as part of a culture war. The culture war isn't bringing in books about uh, older men frankly, molesting kids, performing oral sex on them and everything. That's what this book is. Um, it's not, that's not the culture war. Saying, hey, you know what? This elementary school library should have 15 copies of gender queer. That's not part of the culture war. What is the culture war? What makes it a culture war is when parents notice. Then suddenly, oh my goodness, it's part of the culture war. These rabid right-wingers are engaging in a culture war. No, the real culture war is the sick leftists deciding that child porn is literature. 
because it's a graphic novel and it's geared toward kids. And the most important thing you can do is make children feel accepted. Well, child should never feel accepted to have any kind of sexual contact with an adult, ever, under any circumstances, ever. But that's what Democrats are normalizing, ultimately, and the word I'm looking for is grooming, because that's what they're really doing. Baltimore Sun. Jolie McShane read the first 30 pages of the graphic novel Gender Queer last year and decided she couldn't continue. To the mother and local conservative activist, the memoir, the author's exploration of gender identity and sexuality seemed meant to confuse children. Yeah, why the hell? You don't have any idea what a boy or a girl is, and you don't care, whatever. You don't need to know about the best ways to perform oral sex on a boy. It's one of the things covered in Gender Queer. Don't take my word for it. Look it up yourself. I'm not going to get into graphic detail because I'm not a pervert. And if the, uh, frankly, if you read parts, you always see this footage from around the country where a parent comes up to a school board meeting and starts reading something. It's usually Gender Queer. They start reading things from the library. And what happens? You get the gavel out and the guy's going, hey, hey, we're not going to have, there are children present here. Do not be reading this vile thing. And you go, this is from the children's library, you dumb pile of garbage. They know what they're doing. They're not dumb. They want to keep the rest of everybody else dumb. Uh, let's see. And she concluded it did not belong in school libraries or classrooms from which her three now adult children matriculated. The uh, president of the Republican Women of Baltimore County, McShane, has since rallied her network of activists and civic groups to lobby to remove the book from shelves in Baltimore County schools, which serve roughly 111,000 students. She has sent grievance forms and two letters concerning books she does not find fit for schools following the school system's internal review process for challenging titles. Now, there are a lot of things in schools that I'd personally... I wouldn't sign out for my kids. A lot of things in libraries that I wouldn't sign out for my kids. But it's, and I'm not for banning them. I'm just like, you know what? Timmy's a tree hugger or whatever the hell it's called. Not going to read this stuff. We're all going to die in the environmental. I'm not going to, you're not going to sign this book out when we sign books out at the library. But if some hippy dippy parent wants that for their kid, I couldn't care less. It's not sexual. When it gets sexual, you have to wonder why it is in the library at all. It has no business. It has no bearing. It makes no point. It should not be in a library. If somebody was passing out the... If you went to a library or you just near a school and somebody were passing out copies of the pages of genderqueer, you'd likely call the police on them. You would, because they're graphic, and kids don't need that kind of stuff. But the uh, liberal intelligentsia, and this is part of parents you know, having lives, not being able to afford time to pay attention, the left is always paying attention. Remember the, uh, what was it, the... The World War II propaganda poster where there's the Nazi helmet and like the Hun is watching you. Hun is always watching you. Telling you, basically, if you have anything to do with the defense industry, do not 
do anything that uh, tell anybody anything about your job, etc., etc. You never know where they are. The hunt is watching you. That's what the left is. The left is always watching you. And when you're not, look, they're not watching you to see what you're doing per se, although there is some of that. They're doing it mostly to make sure you're not watching them. You're not seeing what they do. And for a long time, people weren't paying attention to what they do. Then COVID came along and parents had the time on their hands and it was in the classroom. The classroom was in the school or in the house. And suddenly parents got to see what was going on. And they said, this is, what is this? What is wrong with you people? Now that things are going back to normal, I hope to God that parents don't go back to sleep. You can't go back to sleep because this stuff is everywhere. Even as system leaders have dismissed the complaints, relatively, the relatively small group of activists has expanded the scope of its objections to an additional book, Lawn Boy by Jonathan Evison, the plan and plan to investigate 10 more unnamed titles. They believe distribution of the book is criminal, akin to distributing obscene material to a minor, even as county prosecutors disagree. Look, the Democrats are never going to be on your side. The political Democrats are never, ever, ever going to be on your side. Let's see. I went to the library recently with my kids. And I'd done this before. But one of the books I picked up, because they always have these, this featured wall of books. Now, it's a, it's a public library. It's not a school library. Still, tax dollars at work. And I take pictures of the books. This one, We Deserve Monuments by Jazz Hammonds. J-A-S Hammonds is the last name. We Deserve Monuments. Now, I didn't read the book, but I just looked at the back of it. This is the kind of crap that they're putting in libraries, that they're using tax dollars to fund. And it, look, if you, you can write a book that nobody, no human being actually buys, but if you can get 1,000, 5,000, 10,000 libraries across the country, if you get in good with the librarians, you're going to sell a ton of them. You're going to get more book deals. That's how the, the racket works. The political messaging. You won't find a conservative book in my local library. Now, granted, it's very small. It's a small town. But I look, I go into the, the biography section every time I'm there, and I look for names I recognize. And you recognize a lot of the names, but there are no conservative biographies there. You can probably order them from a larger branch to be delivered over there. But it's just curious to me that they're never there. You go through the kids section, and it's rainbows and trannies, and this one has seven mothers and whatever. That's well, there's no books about kids just being kids that allow kids to be kids because kids will not be allowed to be kids. Anyway, on the back of We Deserve Monuments, this is praise for We Deserve Monuments, quote, a gripping portrayal of the South's inherent racism and a love story for queer black girls, Teen Vogue. Who is the audience for this? How many people in an average school are really interested in dying for these books? Let's find, oh, I want to find a book that really, you know, talks about an adult male or a younger performing oral on a young kid and really exploring their sexuality and molestation, but, but not looked at as that, looked at as an awakening. Who's the audience for these books? Absolutely, uh, an absolutely beautiful achievement. I felt this book in my heart. I felt 
in my very marrow itself, Christina Hammonds Reed, New York Times bestselling author of The Black Kids. <laughs> Breathtaking debut that explores love and family in a tender, honest way with a beautiful writing and a mystery that grabs you to the end. Love and family. Love and for queer black girls. It's just one example. This is what's going on in the public library. Even if you're not paying attention to what's going on, what's going on is paying attention to you. I wrote about the, uh, for my town hall column, I wrote about the, the Super Bowl and the, the football ads. I, I perused the comments from time to time. One comment was like, that's why I haven't watched football in forever. Okay, well, congratulations on that. You get to virtue signal and make no mistake, that's virtue signaling. But your ignorance of pop culture only means you're losing. It's happening with or without your participation. You should at least at a bare minimum be aware of it so you can combat it by sitting there going, I don't have cable. I don't watch TV. I don't. Congratulations. You're morally superior to everybody you already loathe, but you're losing the culture wars. So the high road is giving you a nice view of your defeat, I guess. Congratulations. By the way, in the same library, uh, uh, this was back in August. I took a bunch of, I, we go there I don't know, every couple of months or uh, whatever, sign out books for the girls. And um, I went, I took a bunch of pictures in and I scrolled back. The Lesbianas Guide to Catholic School. The Lesbianas Guide to Catholic School. There's again, the praise for it. Full of heart humor and swoon-worthy romance. The Lesbiana's Guide to Catholic School Girls is Recovering Catholic School Students' Road to Healing. This is a must-read for queer teens growing into their own. How big is that market? (laughs) Half the books in the library are about... There's never been a better time to be gay, but you'd think that the second a gay person leaves their house, there are roving bands of people just beating holy hell out of them. 90% 90% of the characters on television, they always say, we, have, uh, we need representation. We need representation in Hollywood, you see. And that's why you can't get nominated if you're the wrong skin color or there aren't enough of this, that, and the other thing. You can't do it. You can't do it. And then you know, we go, okay, well, like 82% of the country isn't gay. There'd be a lot fewer people in the country if that were the case. So I don't know. Is there overrepresentation? Where do normal straight people go to kids to to see what's uh, see themselves? They're not to go to anywhere. They're being groomed to not be that. Another book was something called A Little Bit Country by Brian D. Kennedy. And you go, what is it? There's two dudes in uh, T-shirts holding guitars on the uh, cover in front of... uh, a Ferris wheel or a roller coaster or whatever. Emmett and Luke's... This is from the back again. Emmett and Luke's love story, Emmett and Luke's love story, is pure joy in book form. Absolutely stunning. Stunning. Says Mason Deaver, award-winning author of I Wish You the Best and the Ghosts We Keep. Equal parts emotional, earnest, and entertaining. A Little Bit Country made my heart sing from the first line. Jennifer Duggan, another author. With sweet... Original lyrics, a heaping serving of comfort food, and the heart-stopping aches and fluttering of first love. A Little Bit Country is a glittering 
love song of a debut. Blah, 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 blah. Because Why? Because it's about gay coming of age or whatever the hell it is. And then when they're not focusing on homosexuality, they're all about how horrible the country is. You can find one. This one's about the internment of Japanese Americans during World War II. Curiously, incredibly... Uh, it's watching the left give FDR a pass and Woodrow Wilson a pass. But we want to talk about some racist presidents we had. Those are two right there. And they get a pass from the left because progressive or something like that. They're, they're sick people. So there's a new Hunter Biden. It's amazing to me at this point that there's anything in the, the Hunter Biden laptops and emails and text messages that hasn't been fully mined. But there's so much in there that they keep pulling more and more out. What you'll notice, though, is it's always the same outlets. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, the New York Post will pull things out and the, uh, the UK Daily Mail will pull things out. CBS News made a big five-minute report about these laptops are real. These are hard drives are totally... They're not doing any breaking news or reporting on anything on them. Still, remember that? It was like, what, two, three months ago. These laptops are real. And there hasn't been a single story that I've seen from CBS News where they go, and here's what's on them. And here's what they suggest and what they... Nope. Not at all interested in that. Of course, NBC News is pretending still that it doesn't exist. But this one from the UK Daily Mail is just coming out today. Hunter Biden threatened one of his cash-strapped young female staffers with withholding her pay if she didn't FaceTime him for sex. Huh. They're Bidens. I give you my word as a Biden. They're one of the most disgusting families this side of the Kennedys. Shocking text between the president's son, 52, and his young assistant, who was 29 at the time, show Hunter asking for video sex sessions and sending her cash via Apple Pay after she pleaded she was struggling to make rent. The woman, who the Daily Mail has chosen not to identify, worked as an assistant at Hunter's law firm, Owasco, in 2018 and 2019. She is the fourth employee he is known to have had a sexual relationship with. And this, yeah, like father, like son, right? Tara Reed. Documents on his abandoned laptop show Hunter put his lover and brother's widow, Haley Biden, on his company payroll, as well as her sister, Liz Secondy, with whom he also had an affair, texts reveal. God, the Biden family, they're just great. The family reunion is an orgy. Look out at Christmas. Don't touch the cranberries. He also hired his daughter's basketball coach, according to former stripper London Roberts, but ended her employment and stopped responding to her messages after she told him she was pregnant with his child. Roberts eventually had to sue him for child support. God, they're just lovely people. Messages and emails involving the now 33-year-old assistant first appeared on Hunter's laptop in June 2018 when he flew her from Los Angeles to Washington, D.C. Hunter filmed and photographed her having sex with him around that time and saved the images to his laptop. The part-time model and fitness instructor was given important administrative tasks at his company, such as receiving Burisma board documents for Hunter to sign. In January 2019, she emailed Hunter's secretary asking why she had not received her December paycheck 
of $837.06 and why her company health insurance was not active. Sounds like a great guy. Smartest guy Joe Biden never knew, ever met. Uh, two months later, he sent her $500 by Apple Pay and complained he had, quote, really no money due to alimony, tuitions, and other S, like girls' insurance, etc. He made tens of millions of dollars. Where did it all go? What? Maybe more than 10% went to the big guy. When you're paying $50,000 a month to your father, quote-unquote, rent, not Lonnie laundering at all, but rent. Maybe, maybe you might want to look into those sorts of things. He told her, quote, you're as beautiful to me inside as you obviously are on the outside. Miss you very much and feel horrible for having treated you so poorly. And then he kept throwing Apple Pay money to her, according to text messages. He invited her to New Hampshire. <laughs> He invited her to New Hampshire, but said he couldn't pay for the ticket. <laughs> you, you want me to come over and use you again? I'll uh, happily use you again, but I ain't paying to fly you here. You're going to have to even get your own cab from the airport. He invited her to New Hampshire, but she told, uh, she told him I can't afford the plane ticket. Days later, he texted her. Then he said he would pay for the pay for her, but she had to video chat with him. Quote, I will make up for back pay. You have to make up for back work by FaceTiming me and or going to our next club party, he wrote an employee. Isn't that lovely? I'll pay you the money I owe you, but you got to take your top off. Young professional woman. Young professional woman. The feminist party. The women party. Well, you know, it's amazing. No Democrats know what women are except for when it comes to who they force into having sex with them. No Democrat that I've ever been aware of has woken up one day and said, oops, I accidentally had sex with a trans woman. They always get that one. They're batting a thousand when it comes to that. It's weird, isn't it? All right, I want to play you this audio of the Scottish First Minister, a woman named Nicola Ferguson Sturgeon, speaking of trans issues. This is, I find it hilarious. It's an, an interview where the interviewer, the TV presenter, actually puts forward a question that if we had honest journalism in this country would come up with not only you know national Democrats, it would come up with local Democrats as well. And it would come up often. But it never does because we don't have an honest media in this country. But still, when it happens even on the other side of the planet, it's worthy of note and also enjoyable. The question is, are all trans Look, women women? You haven't is, answered that question. Well, that's not the point that we're dealing with that's here. That's the question I'm Look, asking. Trans women are, are women, but in the prison context, there is no automatic right for a trans woman. So there are contexts where a trans woman is not a woman? No, there is, <laughs> there is circumstances in which a trans woman uh, will be housed in the male prison estate. Is there any the context in which a woman born as a woman will be housed in the male estate? Look, we're talking here about trans women. And I'm now asking about women born as women. Uh, I don't think there are circumstances there, uh, but... So it's different for trans women? Well, yes, and I, I'm not... So they're not equal? 
that is not that there is a risk assessment process done for trans women that takes account of the nature of the crime. It clearly, it, significant concern arises out of sexual crime and whether it's appropriate for them to be in a female prison or a male prison. <laughs> are trans women women? Of course, trans women are women. Should they be in in, uh, in women's prison? Well, that's sexual men who've raped women. Well, no, that's different. Well, wait a second. If they're women. If they're actually women, shouldn't they be in a women's prison? I mean, come on, right? Trans women are women. It's not trans women are mostly women. Under a whole set of circumstances, trans women are women. There's no qualifier to it. It's trans women are women. Should somebody who declares themselves, because that's the only barrier to entry. It's, it's a club that anybody can join. And it's a club that anybody can quit at any time and say, I'm no longer... No longer a woman. Wait, I'm a woman again. You could, you could spend, theoretically, your entire prison term on a shuttle bus between a men's prison and a women's prison. Because when you're almost there, you go, uh, no, I'm a, I'm a man again. Oh, we got to turn this bus around. And you're almost there. So sorry. I just realized that I'm a woman again. It's just, you know, one of the, it's a gender fluid. And so, you know, you got to have your own prison just for you because you're a moon sexual or whatever you make up so it's good to see these politicians who are you know until 20 minutes ago all knew what a woman is and when the chips are down when it comes to certain things they all know what a woman is they have no question whatsoever what a woman is but uh, when it comes to politics and more importantly to you you're supposed to obey their stupid rules God, it's such a scam. Just such a scam, of course. Lastly today, I just want to play this theme song for you because we lost Cindy Williams died at age 75. Laverne, if you grew up in the 70s, 80s, even into the 90s when reruns, it's not so much reruns on anymore, I don't think, but it was a part of your life. And this, every time you walked arms with, locked arms with anybody walking down the street, this song went through your head. one of those things it's one of those back when in the 60s i guess they didn't really have theme songs that song songs that music to shows in the 70s they perfected in the 80s they perfected the theme song 
And then they got rid of him again. In any event, uh, Shirley Feeney is reunited with Laverne DeFazio. They have both passed on. Somewhere I have an autographed picture of him. But uh, rest in peace, Cindy Williams. That's all the time we have for today. I appreciate the use of your ears. Go do something fun and be back tomorrow to do it all over again. 